Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, adventurers. And on today's podcast, I have Zach Winfield. He's currently based out of Boulder, Colorado, with an educational background in nutritional science and biochemistry. He specializes in metabolic health and functional nutrition, natural movement, sports-related training, and functional fitness. With more than a decade of experience in nutrition, wellness, longevity, and exercise, he creates highly specialized programs to help people achieve their greatest health aspirations. And so without any delay, I'd like to welcome Zach Winfield. What up, Zach? What's going on, Dylan? Thanks so much for bringing me on, man. Happy to be here. I'm excited, man. I'm excited, dude. Last time we were chatting, uh, you had this like epic beanie on. You're like staring off (laughs) in the distance with all the sunlight in your face. So, oh my gosh, yeah. What was that? Two months ago, we were still in winter. We finally broke through that here in the canyon um, about a month ago, which is kind of late, late blooming summer, but. Uh, it's gorgeous now, and the light is still obviously beaming in, but yeah. uh, we got a lot more foliage and, and greenery around this this time around. So I love it, man. Yeah, I, t- I took a page out of your book. So like right now, I flipped around my desk. And okay. What you're, lo- what you're looking at right now is natural lighting. Oh, so nice. What? <laughs> so so everything I've got going on right now, this is all with my windows just being open. There you and, go. Nice. I was like, I was like huddled in the corner, and I was like, it's like it's so dark, and I was, I was thinking about it, and I was like. You know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna flip my desk around, and then I'll be able to have a better get some better juju going right. on in this place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those the optic nerves they love the light, uh, which we touched on last time too, right? About kind of regulating the cortisol and insulin responses and circadian rhythm through that natural light. Um, yeah. I don't. I know you were a pretty early riser, so that was that was kind of something that was hard to get for you, but. That's what I did. Like I got this morning, and I had to like move my things out of the way because like I I journal in the morning, and mm-hmm. it was like barely bright enough because it's like I get up around 5 a.m. and I was just like could barely see my text and I'm like you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna write bigger and darker and just try to go with it to try to not have any lights on as I yeah yeah, as I'm going through the process so yeah yeah. Um, that is so critical to to us as a human and also like an evolutionary um, wiring as well just having that natural light hit our eyes first thing in the morning as opposed to artificial light. Um, just everything with, you know, appetite, suppression, um, again, cortisol, insulin regulation, these other circadian clock rhythms that really need to be balanced and dialed in from um, natural light as, instead of artificial light, which we're so, you know, subjected to nowadays. It yeah. um, plays a critical role in our physiology. So that's, I love that you're doing that, man. That's awesome <laughs> to hear. Are you still wearing your CGM? I'm not wearing it. I'm not okay. wearing it right now, but I'll get I'll get back on that bandwagon. So yeah, I yeah. Uh, I just re re up my subscription, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back in and probably do it like every other month. Um, it's just, they're just so powerful. Yeah, I want I want to do it without the the pressure of the challenge, and I want to go and do some biofeedbacky kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and so yeah, I've been I've been like uh, really tailoring my diet right now to like just like green drink and eggs and healthy fitness and things that things I learned while going through that challenge. Sure. Uh, yeah. Did you, um, sorry, did you start incorporating any more fat or the protein that we talked about into the green drink or is it mm-hmm. still just, okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. More avocado, uh, more fats and like that. So, um, I guess just so people know, uh, uh yeah. I, I met Zach where I was going through a, a, uh, metabolic fitness challenge 
um, where you have a biofeedback device plugged in your arm, a CGM, and then the challenge you, you go through with a cohort of people and you really understand how your body reacts uh, to, to foods and responses. And, and what I thought was just food, but it's, it's beyond just food. It's, it's way beyond that. And I, and I found that a lot of that through you. Um, do you want to just talk just a little bit about that? And just so people can understand a, a, a concept of what we're chatting about? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Dylan came through our cohort eight, I believe, and it's called the wearable challenge. And what we do is we incentivize people um, through their own money and monetary, you know, uh, presence is like of wearing the Levels Technology CGM on the back of the arm, which is just a little apparatus that plugs in and it gives you a continuous blood glucose measure. Um, so 24 hours, seven days a week, you're able to continuously track your blood glucose. And this is not only just beneficial from the food intake, but you can also see what exercise does, what sleep and what stress do. And these are kind of quote unquote known as the metabolic levers. Um, so these physiological responses that are happening in your body, um, on one day your dietary intake could show, you know, a, a, a blunted gl blood glucose response to that. On another day that you had lack of sleep or your, your stress level is kind of high from like a meeting or an argument or traffic or something like that, and you eat the same thing, it could, it could essentially like rise that blood glucose. So it just kind of makes you more aware and to have this like metabolic awareness into you know, how these behaviors impact your day-to-day -day metabolism. And metabolism is kind of at the root and seed of what, how we get our energy, you know, through food and oxygen and how we convert, um, convert that into basically ATP, um, which is the cell, you know, the energy currency that, that we all need and we all need to thrive off of. And we've, in my opinion, we've gotten sort of um, lost or a little like fragmented from creating energy efficiently. So that's why something like the CGM is such a powerful tool to see how your basically your blood glucose is responding to certain foods because you want to you want to keep that stable. You don't want to have like the peaks and the valleys um, and just continue to like kind of cruise on that and have normal blood sugar because that affects, again, energy and how our mitochondria are using that substrate. So, um, yeah, kind of long winded answer there. But, yeah, these metabolic levers, the four. Want the four main ones being the sleep, exercise, stress, and nutrition. And then there's a few others that kind of play into factor that are more long-term. And if you're thinking about building, you know, an optimal metabolic body um, over a longer duration, it's microbiome, micronutrients, and then, you know, environmental toxins too that you need to be aware of. So. Yeah, and super fascinating. And, and feel free to go off to the deep end and get super get super geeky with this stuff. I, I find yeah. it fascinating. And and it's also it's it's important because a lot of people they feel like oh if I eat the same things as other people that they're eating I'm gonna get the same results and it's just not inherently true. I mean there are certain things that you can get away with and there, there's uh, you know um, broad strokes right uh, that you John if you probably eat McDonald's every day it's not great for you. <laughs> Um, but in, in terms of dialing it in, people don't have these responses. One thing I thought was interesting, because if you look at it, the whole point, the concept of this, the, of this, the, this wearable, this being is keeping a level glucose monitor score. You don't want mm -hmm. to have high spikes and high drops, high spikes and high drops. And if you're doing that throughout the day, if you're, if your blood sugar, your glucose is going way high and then dipping, going way high and dripping, that's, that, that puts, um, uh, negative stress on the system, right? Is that what, is that mm -hmm. the effects? 
You are 100% correct. And actually what is interesting is those peaks in the valleys and it's called a glycemic variability. And if you have a high glycemic variability, that is actually the leading cause of cardiovascular disease. So knowing that how much stress that the body can be put under just from hitting that gas pedal and then sudden break, you know, and it's just, they've actually been shown to show like if you have a baseline of like 140, which 140 is on the higher end, you know, you're, you've got di- probably like type two diabetes at 140, if that's your baseline. Um, having the peaks and valleys is actually a worse indicator for chronic diseases. So even if your baseline is kind of cruising at 90, but yet you're still just elevating it and then crashing it and elevating and crashing it, which comes from, like you mentioned, like, you know, processed foods or the, the food systems that we're currently in is like the, the fast food industry or the, the oils or the sugars or the refined grains, things like that, that can really affect people um, in negative ways. That's what you want to be wary of. And you want to have kind of the standard deviation underneath 14 from your, your baseline or your average glucose. And, you know, we don't really have any tool right now that can give us insight into that other than the CGM that shows us that glycemic variability in, in certain individuals. And, and yeah, this is obviously, as we know, where we've gotten to um, in a in our disease state of like, this is very, very necessary and needed currently. So yeah, yeah man, that's. We, we got too, it got too easy for us not to die from starvation. Mm-hmm. At least, at least mm-hmm. in this, in this uh, insulated site, well, sp- only speaking for the U.S. per se. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that is it is so easy and the food is so abundant that our primal senses, like back in the day, our primal senses is when there's an abundance of something fatty or sweet, consume as much till gone. And that was our that was our you know our limbic system, our mm-hmm. our, our premises, our our primary um, responses of the scarcity mind going, I must consume, otherwise I might die. And yeah. so you, you put that all in. The problem is, it's when you can go down to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger for like a couple of bucks. And then you, you do that every day because your your primal senses are telling you to do that. It mm-hmm. actually has an overall destructive effect on your body, which is, you know, not not great. Um, yeah, um, I was actually just I was thinking about this yesterday and, and something that I'm kind of diving more into and fascinated by is environmental um, design an environment and designing an environment that is going to improve your metabolic health or your health or longevity or anti-aging instead of, and, you know, we're kind of brought into this system, the infrastructure that currently is, and it's working against us, you know, and there's ways that we can, you know, use these helpful tools that allow us to sort of take a step back and design our own environments to where we can, we can, I guess, create more of that, evolutionary pathways like being activated as opposed to just okay consume 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 eat um rest sleep eat you know and kind of just rinse and repeat in that same because there there are alternatives out there and there are the tools now that we're coming into a a really kind of revolutionary um health wave of things like the cgm and bio wearables that that can track these things and then also the the red lights and, you know, these different like cold therapy and saunas and things like that, that we can use to our advantage. Yeah. When you say, when you say environmentals, I mean, are you talking about setting up your environment to, to make the easy things easier, the hard things harder, so you don't eat the fast food or are you talking about environmentals? Exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. Kind of removing that friction point or yeah. setting up your environment for yeah. success and for how that works best for you. And that, that could, you know, you and I touched on something that I had to do in the Canyon and I, I was, 
really wanting that early light exposure. So is something as getting like a red light device and using that first thing in the morning to help, you know, regulate my cortisol and my mm -hmm. circadian rhythms. Um, so yeah, just doing like environmental design for individuals that, you know, they're not just subject to what is already set up. Um, and we're actually able to use these tools that, that are very helpful in that. So, yeah, I think that that's something that's, um, and I know that there's been like certain uh, health conscious cities that have been thrown around from some of these thought leaders and they're, you know, trying to design more walkable areas and cities and also like removing the, the fast food places and putting in like, you know, gardening and, and things like that, that give us, you know, kind of put us back into that state of our ancestors and of, and I, I know we're, you know, we're in this technological phase now, which is so beneficial, but it also has some unintended consequences for us yeah. and our health wise. So, yeah, we, we solve some problems with technology, but we make mm -hmm. other ones. And exactly. for me, the, the primary use of technology, what I think the major focus is using the technology to reconnect with like nature and humanity. Yeah. We can use technology yeah. in those aspects. Um, we, we've used it to solve the problems. Okay, we're not going to die. That's great. Yeah. What's the next step? How do we go from not dying yeah. to thriving? And that's yeah. and that's the elements here. What do you think are some like common misconceptions that people have if they're like, oh, I'm doing things right, but they're actually, it's actually being destructive to their bodies. Are there any like ones that people typically do as, as a common misconception? I would, my, the first thing that comes to my mind is the nutrition thing because we're getting thrown in with so much information right now about like, we'll do this for if you want to lose weight or do this if you want to, you know, whatever it is that, that you are trying to optimize or you are looking for. And I think, think and as you know like we have these postprandial responses and they vary from individual to individual based upon your your genetics based upon your microbiome based upon you know your skeletal muscle your how much you're exercising how much stress and sleep you're getting so it's not it's not a one size fits all solution and finding you know there are these more general overarching categories that you can kind of as long as you're, if you're moving away from the standard american diet then that's that's great. That's like step number one, you know, mm -hmm. and that can be either using like a plant-based paleo keto lifestyle or whatever suits you best. Um, but having the overarching and like the divided camps, I think, and then subscribing to that camp and without fully understanding, you know, your body's metabolism and how your body is actually like using its substrates, which is just going to be carbohydrates or fat um, that can kind of get, I think, you know, dis disturbed and into someone that's trying to like really achieve an optimal health or longevity or anti-aging strategy. Um, so finding what works best for the individual is, mm -hmm. is what I think. Got it. So it's almost like the, the, the challenges is that we're, we're playing a game with our body, which is how to live as, as healthy and long as possible. We know that we know that le leveling out your metabolic um, spikes in, in a way is, is one of the best ways to do it. But the problem is, is that we're playing a game without any feedback. We don't, we don't really know what's actually bringing something down. So people subscribe to tribes, metabolic tribes, without actually knowing the actual effects that they have on the body. And so you're like, I think this works. And, there, and there's no actual way to, to do that other than I think I feel maybe I feel this, or you're actually using biofeedback devices to play a better game. Is that kind yes. of? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, and that's what's so great about the CGM is, yeah, you can you can get a good handle on on what foods are more beneficial for your your metabolic health and which ones are detrimental, and then kind of use that as a guide. You know, you can use that as your your template, your 
your nutritional information. So the saddest thing ever, man, I found out that the worst foods for me is, uh, uh, tacos, pizzas, and burgers. <laughs> I was Not so, surprised. I was so sad to find that out. Not, um, I'm not I'm shocked. I'm just sad. I was like, but I love them. And then I eat them and then I feel terrible. Yeah. And yeah. then there's, there's always this fact. Cause like I go in the ways like, you know, I, as soon as immediately, as soon as I got the sensor off me, mm-hmm. I eat as terribly as possible. Yeah. And, I, and then I went back on to another uh, health thing I'm going through right now. And so I'm like, you know, sitting in my car, eating Del Taco in one hand, little Caesars in the right. And I'm like, I'm giving myself the treat. And then I'm like, I feel like shit. And I was like, oh, I'm going to keep eating. It's just really funny. Like yeah. there is this weird psychological thing that humans do mm-hmm. that are like, you're going to give yourself a treat and you treat yourself like crap. And that, and that, and that's before you go on a diet. It's like this weird thing that there's some sort of like subconscious programming going on in our brain saying, if you don't eat the worst foods ever, you will die or something. I don't know. Like what, what do you think that is? What's going on with that? Why people before a health kick decide yeah. to destroy their body? I think that that boils down to a dopaminogenic reaction and how we've kind of been, again, like not putting too much weight into the infrastructure, but we've grown up with these like very hyper palatable foods, right? That are high in fat, high in sugar, high in, you know, carbohydrates or processed, you know, um, sugars as well. So like whenever we hit that dopamine response, we kind of create this dopamine tolerance and we, we kind of, it becomes this vicious cycle because then it, eating, you know, the tacos or the pizza or the burgers is going to, it's going to feed that and it, and you're going to get this short term pleasure from it. And then you're going to wake up the next day and be like, well, now I just need a, I need to cut everything out and get on, get back on track. And you know, it, and it becomes like this dopamine, dopamine versus serotonin response. And serotonin is, is long-term, you know, and that dopamine is all short-term. So if we can kind of go on sort of like a dopamine fast. Um, and I know that caught some, some attention uh, a few years ago back in the Silicon Valley area, but like you can essentially like start rewire, rewiring the, the program in the, in the brain and the, the neurotransmitter response and not be so um, subjected to like, I, I need this. I have to have this right now or else, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I don't know, go a little crazy into the monkey mind, but it, um, yeah, it's something that I think it's, it's again, comes down to the environment and it comes Mm -hmm. down to what are we going, how are we going to best like set ourselves up for the next day and the following day and the the month and the six months that go beyond that and not just have this little short term Mm -hmm. kick. Um, yeah. So you're saying that, so, so don't mean is, 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 is the quick, it's like the cocaine button. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. you get that right. And then the serotonin is what long-term connection, meaning purpose, like is that what the serotonin really is or. Yeah. 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 Um, ha- uh, pleasure is dopamine. Happiness is serotonin. Ah, got it. Got it. Cause pleasure mm-hmm. doesn't always equate to happiness. Correct. That was, yeah, that was one of the, one of the ones I, I came across is I, I uh, it was, a re- I was realizing that the indulgence mm-hmm. isn't necessarily long-term happiness it's an indulgence right right? and i overindulge Mm -hmm. because there's some sort of like i gotta have it and then because you feel like it's gonna go away at least for me and 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 i've had the same effect too like if i i feel like um i'm like okay if i give this to myself now then that's gonna lead me into like an exercise tomorrow right and i've also found uh, on certain times that i've just gone away from that and kind of like hit a reset 
I won't feel as inclined to do the exercise. I don't know. It's it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird game going yeah. on in, in the head and like this this battle and shift. But yeah. so you're talking about one of the things is is this the there's an old study right called like you, you know this the study the marshmallow study. Oh yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. So anybody that doesn't know this, they put these kids inside a room. They said, hey, here's a marshmallow. We're gonna leave you alone for like X amount of minutes, like say 10 to 20 minutes. If you don't eat the marshmallow, we're gonna give you two marshmallows, right? And so. What happened was a lot of these kids, they, they, they actually, the ones that ate the marshmallows and were and that couldn't resist it and just was an instant gratification, they couldn't delay gratification. They tracked them for years and years and years. And they said one of the number one indicators for success in life is your ability to delay gratification, your ability to like not do the thing you want to do right now for that long-term reward. And, they, and what's, what's interesting about that is that that delayed gratification is so hard for us to be able to do because there's all of these, it takes a lot of willpower. Um, do you do you have any recommendations? They had some interesting things that they found out from the study of what they did, mm -hmm. but do you have any recommendations of how people can create strategies around delaying that gratification and, and not hitting that dopamine button? Yeah, I think we have to replay. <laughs> Because this is the thing with addiction, right? It's like addiction never goes away. You just replace one addiction for another. So if we're able to actually have this awareness and have like, okay, is this coming out of boredom? Is it coming out of anxiety? Is it coming out of stress? Understand that and understand like why you're being triggered or why you're wanting to reach for that, you know, that sweet thing late in the night, right before you go to bed or something that's going to give you that that short-term pleasure over that delayed gratification. Um, understand that and then transfer that to something else that's going to be more positive or pro, let's pro metabolic, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, do some stretching, get in your body, have, do some meditation, do some breath work, um, do all these different things that, that will still kind of feel um, grateful to be in your body, but not detrimental, you know, to the hitting the hitting the dopamine switch, but instead you're activating the serotonin switch through just journaling or like I said, meditation or breath work, you know, these different, or even if you want to do some extra exercise helps tremendously. If you just do like 50 body squats and then ask yourself, do I still want that? It's probably not going to be the case. Um, and it's, it's funny how exercise can also stimulate this part of our brains too, that we get a lot of, because our, our bodies are designed to move. You know, we are, we want to be engaged in movement. And whenever we're engaged in movement, we find this trickling of pathways and a kind of cascading effect of like, yeah, I don't, I don't really find myself being hungry at this moment, or I don't really want that, that candy bar right now, because I, I'd rather be able to move my body and be free in my body and, and have that flexibility. So, um, yeah, it's tough though, man. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's oh, hard. Yeah. You know? Imagine telling someone, yeah, I know when you walk past that baked good and you smell that brownie coming out of the oven, you know what you should say? You know what sounds even better? 50 body weight squats. Oh, that sounds awesome. I can't wait to get some of them body weight squats going out. Mm -mm -mm. I just have a hard time. I, 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 um, I logically agree and I emotionally call bullshit. So like, you yeah. know, I was like, yeah. so it's, it's, it's a hard thing to be on both sides of those fences mm -hmm. um, at the same time. But yeah, I know. if you, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> but like, but like, but so let me ask you though, when you do the bodyweight squat, the squats mm -hmm. or those things, doesn't it spike your, your, your metabolic rate too? Doesn't it cause that, or does it cause it to go up? And if so, how is that, if that causes it to go up, how is that not detrimental to the spikes and the drops? Yeah. Um, Great question. And this is something that we see all the time. And this is a, an ongoing 
understanding for people that you know that put the CGM on and they see exercise and they're like, why did my glucose spike? What's going on? Why I thought this exercise is supposed to be good for me, but what is actually happening is so insulin is what we want to be aware of, what we want to be, you know, I guess cautious of, and hitting the insulin secretion is what is the detrimental effect in our body. So glucose is going to rise, you know, through things like doing a longer fast because your your body is essentially is breaking down your glycogen, which is, you know, your stored muscle and liver glucose into glucose molecules because we at all times as human beings have about four grams of circulating glucose in our bodies and our blood glucose needs to be kept at about like a 70 to 100 milligrams per deciliter in order for organs to function. Our brain loves glucose, you know, our heart needs glucose, liver needs glucose. So what's actually happening when you exercise is you're hitting that, that glycogen, you're hitting that stored glucose. And what that's doing is feeding those energy demands because your substrate and there's and not to get too carried away with this, but there are Let's certain, go. okay. All right. So there's certain modes of training, like doing a high intensity interval training compared to a zone two training that is going to use. So your high intensity interval training because of the strenuous and stress of exercise that that's putting on your body, it's going, it needs glucose because it has to turn over substrate very quickly, which glucose can do that. Now, if you're getting into a zone two training, which is which kind is, of your, yeah. which is like a, a cycling or a rowing or a walking, something that you are, have a perceived exertion and you can still carry on a conversation, but you're not going above a lactate threshold. And that lactate threshold is usually at two millimolars. And there's only there's really to measure this, you can do it through heart rate or lactate meters. But what that's doing is training your body to use oxygen and fat instead of just using glucose. So you can actually like train your mitochondria within the cells to not just turn over glucose into pyruvate until it lactate. Instead, you're going glucose to pyruvate through the acetyl CoA and then essentially creating like these 36 ATPs that are that after the Krebs cycle that they can produce. Um, so that being said, exercise does cause a spike, but it also has, you know, pr it promotes insulin sensitivity. It doesn't release insulin. You're actually moving glucose into the muscle, which is what you want to be doing and how you want to actually kind of use your natural physiology as a glucose disposal agent, which some people take those on the side to, to blunt their gl blood glucose and also like, shuttle that glucose into the cells. Um, but what exercise does, that's super fascinating why we need to be doing this um, as much as possible, is it, because it doesn't require insulin, so you can essentially not hit the insulin secretion button and further, like if you are gonna shuttle glucose into the cells, it actually has what's called the GLUT4 transporter that just from muscle excitation and so contraction and release, it's going to open up the GLUT4 transporter and then shuttle the glucose into the cells as opposed to having insulin, which is normally the, you know, the, the lock and key mechanism to let glucose in. So all this to be said, like you want to not create an insulin response and that is a non-mediated insulin response from whenever you exercise. Got it. So then what it is, is you're demanding, you're demanding glucose from your body in the high exertion hidden minerals, which is not necessarily an insulin response, but it's actually bringing it into your muscles saying, Hey, this is where it needs to go. And exactly. it allows you, it allows you as a place to, 
healthily transfer the the the, the glucose into your cells and, and into your muscles to be able to use um and versus the, the you could also do the zone two activity which mm -hmm. is more of this like i can power walk and still have a conversation but because you're not hitting the high threshold that demand it goes oh this isn't a high demand activity this is a low demand activity let's pull it from fat because the yes. fat's going to be it's going to be an, an easier slower source and we don't need that quick burst energy which glucose is quick burst energy versus the the slow roll of the fat and so exactly 100 percent. question for you around that mm -hmm. so sometimes like i know in the morning i feel like i have a lot of like energy like i gotta get yeah. things and if i don't work out if i don't do anything i have all this kind of like angst in my body moving mm -hmm. around me mm -hmm. right but then when i get done i'm like oh, i feel good i'm good yeah. i'm centered i'm calm mm -hmm. i'm speaking okay is that because I have kind of like, is there, is there like too much glucose going on in the morning or what is the cause of that? And what, what is, what do you know what's causing my mindset to go from that anxious energy to like the calm leveled outness um, after I work out? Like what's sure. going on there? Yeah. I attribute that to your sympathetic nervous system mm -hmm. and then a transfer to your parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So we know that we, whenever we wake, we have what's called usually the dawn phenomenon. And they used to think that this was only in type two diabetics, but now after the use of, you know, the broader population using CGMs, this is seen across the board. So people, and it fluctuates um, in certain people because of circadian rhythm balancing and cortisol production, but cortisol is going to be the driver behind that sympathetic nervous system. So whenever you wake, your cortisol is is going to be at its peak for the day because normally this thing starts to rise about 4 a.m. and then peaks around 8. You know, it, I'm, from person to person, it's going to vary, but yeah. from the average person, it's going to peak around 8 a.m. and then start tapering off from there, and it's, it's on a diurnal cycle. So whenever you're waking and you feel that energy and you feel that, like, surge and you're also kind of feeling um, a little angst and mm – -hmm. and, you know, tense maybe that's being driven from the cortisol and cortisol activates that sympathetic nervous system. So once you can exercise or use breath work or meditate, and that's one of the modalities, those are a few modalities that can transfer the sympathetic to the parasympathetic to where now you're, you're more calm and you're relaxed and you, you know, you feel more in control and grounded from doing something like that because you need to you need to move that substrate. That substrate is just staying elevated and it's causing, you know, these, these cascading sort of physiological effects that you need to like work through and you need to burn. And this again, boils down to the mitochondria about like, if you're just pulling up and pulling up and pulling up and that mitochondria can't actually like pull that energy through, mm -hmm. then essentially you're, you're going to, that is whenever you get into problems as such as mitochondrial deficiency, your cortisol is elevated, your hormones are, are now kind of all off kilter mm -hmm. and you're not actually pulling that energy through. You're, you're just kind of hitting that gas pedal constant, mm -hmm. constant. And it's, it's got nothing to, the valve is not open. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, so that to me is, is what's going on whenever you're Got feeling it. that. And that's good that you have that somatic awareness too, of being able to recognize like, man, I feel, I just got to move through this. I got to get some, and it's probably all coming through the breath as well. You know, the oxygen and the cellular, you know, because that's aerobic respiration essentially. And that's the breath is really fascinating as a thing. It seems like the, 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 
the one of the main ways that you can control your state is through your breath and that seems like to be like the 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 internal remote control for yeah. the, your your parasympathetic sympathetic uh uh nervous system actions right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and, I, and i have just noticed that like for me i i throttle at a higher degrees and i'm definitely yeah. more of a morning person and so and, and this is me without any caffeine so like I, getting up in the morning and I need to have that pattern of the, of the like journaling and breath work and working out and all those other activities to, yeah. to really kind of slide in that state. But I also feel like I get so much more done. I feel like I increase my capacity because I, I go through a series of activities in the morning and, that, and then I feel like I can, I can like, I'm calm and I can, I can, mm -hmm. I can respond, not react to situations. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so critical. Um, because we, a lot of us, I think we do come from that reactive standpoint and then that further drives, um, you know, that sympathetic nervous system. And we want, we need to move, we have to be more diligent about moving out of that system, you know, yeah. if we're going to think about our health and our, and our does, metabolic health specifically. Does, so is there, is there a correlation between spiking your glucose and being put into the uh, uh, parasympathetic or the, sympath the sympathetic nervous system? Like, is there a thing like if you're if you're spiking your system, is that a natural driver that that puts you in that state and versus if you're in a uh, like a fasted state or something where you're more level, you're going to mm. you're going to maintain a better. Um, is, is there a correlation between those two things, the metabolic rate and also the uh, parasympathetic sympathetic? So definitely a correlation between sympathetic nervous system and elevated glucose, um, just because the hormones that are involved in the sympathetic nervous system, like cortisol, like epinephrine, um, which is also adrenaline, um, like growth hormone, these are all considered glucocorticoids. So they kind of do the same effect that exercise does. Is they will call on the liver to release glucose. Um, so you'll see a naturally like elevated glucose response from being in a, a sympathetic state. Now, once you get into that parasympathetic state, you're not, you're, you're more or likely hitting on your glucagon response, which is actually like going to start using the fat as a substrate, getting away from the blood glucose. Also the blood glucose by then should be shuttled into the cells. So you're not actually seeing that elevated glucose, therefore not seeing the elevated insulin that comes behind blood glucose. Um, so yeah, there, there is core correlation between, you know, and then to answer your question about fasting, it's interesting because people that just jump right into fasting, they will ask the question about like, well, why is my, why is my glucose higher now? Why is it elevated? And for the same reason is these hormones are activating because we've been so dependent on a carbohydrate and so dependent on our, you know, our brain needs fuel and it thrives off of glucose, but it can also do very well off of ketones, but it's not used to that yet. So it's still pushing glucose into the body from these stored glycogens. Um, so these glycolytic pathways, you know, they, they vary and they're triggered by certain hormones in the body and the fasting hormones and the stress hormones and the parasympathetic uh, responses are all, they all kind of fluctuate it, you know, and it's, it's not, um, it's not just like a, an X equals Y kind of, kind of modality, but you can essentially over periods of longer fasting, you will be able to start like really decreasing that baseline, your fasting blood glucose. And then also because you're essentially exhausting the glyco glycogen stores, What's the benefit of like, so for example, like if you did 
multiple days of like a green drink fast. Maybe the mm. only meal you have a day is just one green drink. Yeah. And, and it's a mixture of things you put in your system. Is that more beneficial than like, uh, uh, or like what's the, what's the pros and cons to doing something like that or doing something like a prolonged 48 hour, 72 hour fast where you're not taking, you know, not really taking anything. Or maybe I know some people drink coffee with mm -hmm. that and they go, it, you know, it doesn't count because it's, 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 it's no calories. Yeah. Um, so what are your, what are your thoughts around those different, the different styles, the pros and cons of those? So the research shows if you do something like a, like a 36 to 36 hour to 72 hour fast, you are going to kind of hit like this metabolic reset. Um, to where your body has gone through autophagy, it's gone through apoptosis, and it's now basically that you have reset the cellular, I guess, like functioning in, in the body of, of being able to, to not always like hit or have these doses of, of glucose or carbohydrates. So what I suggest whenever people do a fast is like, you know, get out of the because you what you want to do is you're giving your digestive system break which is also like restoring or it's able to like open up the pathways to go in and restore the body's cells so if you can not do like green juice or green fasting or green you know drink fasting then then i think that's going to be more beneficial um but any any form of fasting is going to be helpful for the body um i just think that the the green drinks or the the sweeter sort of vegetable juices are going to actually kind of continue to run its course of, of you being reliant on a carbohydrate and not fully like jumping into like, okay, I need to train my body how to have metabolic flexibility and get a move off of the carbohydrate source and get into my fat and start having fat oxidation and fat utilization. Because once you can have that switch, I mean, you, and you are able to burn both substrates, you are able to tap into are your fat stores, which at all times have, uh, you know, 40,000 calories in them to where, you know, glucose is like a 2000 calorie threshold. And then once you, once you hit that, then you're, you're kind of bonking, right? So if you can train the body in that way, um, that's, what's going to be best in the long run. And also like, yeah, the 72 hour fast, the 36 hour fast are incredible. If you can just do water, coffee or tea through that, then that's going to be, um, yeah. Does it does you've heard of mud water? I have. I haven't tried yeah. it yet, but I've been yeah. really curious about giving those guys a try. It's just uh, adaptogenic yeah. herbs and and kind of a coffee replacer, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a total coffee replacer. This thing's like I forget what it's like. It was like cardamom and mm -hmm. there's um, turmeric and yeah. yeah, and that kind and that kind of stuff. And so like. Um, it's I, I was curious because I was trying that as a as a coffee substitute, and I didn't know if that would work. Because I know there's like maybe 20 calories. There's cacao, uh, masala's chai, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, chaga, cordyceps, reishi, lining's mean. Yeah, yeah. And I'm now, all for that, that, man. Would that yeah. work for a, a fast as well in terms of like instead of coffee having that? Yeah, or, I think it all depends on what you're going for. You know, mm -hmm. like what is it if, you, if you're trying to wean yourself off of coffee or if you're trying, <laughs> you know, because here's the thing. Um, yeah. Because we all differ, and this is it's tough because you know some of us have a, a higher caffeine tolerance than others, or we're you know caffeine metabolizers are, are much quicker than others. So for some people, it works really well to wake up, use that cortisol bump because you know as it's coming up in the morning and sp spiking in the morning, like you can actually use that as sort of like your 
your fuel in the morning and kind of do not hit the coffee, you know, and wait like a, a couple hours, do your morning activities, then have your coffee. And then, you know, if you're um, essentially sensitive to caffeine, this is not going to cause, you know, that, that glucose response that you see from, from caffeine or hitting those hormones that we know caffeine can trigger those glucocorticoid hormones. So doing something like mud water, if you're trying to wean off of coffee while doing a fast, I think could work really well. And having those adaptogenic herbs in there too is every, every one of those are super beneficial. Um, yeah, I was curious. I was just curious, like looking at it, cause I'm trying to, again, experimenting on the body, trying different things yeah, out. Yeah. And also like when I'm, when I'm trying to do like a really light diet, like, you know, one of the things I've been doing, I've been just for like the last two weeks. So uh, most of the time I've been doing just one meal a day, green drink okay. and eggs. And that's okay. it. Just green drink eggs. And that's my thing. And I'll like green drink at like three o'clock and eggs at like seven o'clock. Okay. And that's, and that's the thing I have. And I just yeah. go through it. But then, you know, in the morning I'll have some mud water and then throughout the day, I was going to get your opinion on this. What's your opinion on carbonated water? Like, okay. yeah. yeah what's, what's your thought about that? Um, I think carbonated water works excellent, especially yeah. if you are trying to do, you know, longer fasting or doing OMAD or doing, you know, two meals a day in a, in a time restricted feeding window. Yeah. Um, carbonated water has been shown to have these physiological um, effects of yeah. mimicking hunger or mimic, or I'm sorry, like satiating, mm -hmm. a satiating response. So um, the one that I love and that I'm really into right now is Gerald Steiner because of its mineral content. Um, it's super high in magnesium, calcium, and has a few other like trace minerals in there and is also carbonated. And it's one of, from, from someone that I admire very much in this space, like one that he recommends and he, um, you know, he's a big proponent of it and says, you know, like if you are going to be doing carbonated water, like make sure you source it correctly and, and, mm. you know, don't just, you know, do the, I don't, which, which carbonated water are you? chugging down um uh there's just some some basic brands there's two things i was taking there one was just a straight carbonated one i can't think of the name of the brand it was just the general store one that it's like flavored one with like you know it's fake lemon or whatever and then there's one that i got which was um i can't think of the name simple something mm. um and it's and it's literally like so, a little bit of fruit juice like okay. like stra strawberry puree lime juice and carbonated water and it's like nine calories okay and okay. so and the other one is like strawberry like it's just it's just fruit like some sort of fruit like strawberry yeah. mango mm -hmm. and carbonated water and it's like okay. you know, around that range yeah just just be weary that that could also you know you're not wearing a cgm right now but that could be causing some sort of uh <laughs> glucose response which is hitting the insulin um if you can pick up that gerald steiner and yeah. something that works really well that i that i found that works really well is you know add a little apple cider vinegar to that and oh. you know it's it, or you can put lemon or some natural you know squeeze a lime in there and yeah and it's it's good man and it and it does the job and, and the, of, the lemon doesn't spike your insulin no no, no. interesting no. so so just so people know it, gerald steiner is g-e-r-o-l S T E I N E R mm -hmm. dot dash USA.com. Yeah. So if you and, go to, yeah, if you go to most grocery point, stores, carry it. Most grocery so, yeah, I, I'm yeah. Not aware, I wasn't aware of that. That's great. Yeah, that stuff's amazing. That's um, awesome. And you're okay. Yeah. Another thing I think we should talk about is uh, whenever you're doing your eggs in the evening, are you doing yeah. anything with those or is it just pure eggs? 
Would most you... of the time, it's just straight uh, grass-fed butter and okay. eggs. Nice. That is like that is the ninety percent of it. Occasionally, <clears throat> I'm getting extra hungry, and so I have like this sieta, uh, uh, oh, like almond almond flour tortilla type of things. Yeah, and I'll, I'll crystal with those guys. Cool. I'll have that. Um, okay. So yeah, the cassava it. flour and avocado oil that yeah. goes into those. Yeah, that yeah. stuff's awesome. And for yeah. you know, doing like the chips or the tortillas, I I, I recommend that brand over the other stuff. Um, Sieta crushes. They've got the best hot sauce too. Yeah, yeah it's so good. It's That's so good. About your heart. You love hot sauce, yeah. right? Yeah. I do, man. I do. I do. I've got a I've got a uh, I've got a Mexican fiance, mm. and like we're going through the CGM challenge together, and she's yeah. like, I have to give up chips and tortillas. <laughs> And she's like, what? And like, she's just like, yeah. every, everything else she was doing on point, right? But yeah. like, there's that one like core cultural belief <laughs> that you have to give up. And she was not having it. She had to the rescue though, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's like, okay, good enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank God those people are out there, man. I know. Yeah. 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 I am a huge proponent of those guys. Um, yeah. So whenever you're doing OMAD or whenever yeah. you're doing time restricted feeding yeah. um, or any sort of fasting protocol, yeah. you want to be wary of not bookending your caloric or energy intake. So mm -hmm. if you can, you want to consume the majority of your calories during the day. Oh, interesting. Um, and not, not, and I'm sure it's still daylight there at seven. So you're not, you know, falling into like the 9 PM or 10 PM, you know, darkness hours and then eating right before you go to bed. But what they've been, research, recent research has shown that insulin is actually what's called a Zeitgerber. And Zeitgerber is a German word for circadian, uh, circadian clock mechanism. So these are things like, you know, light in the morning, darkness at night, temperature, meal timing, those are all considered Zeitgerbers. But now insulin is, is now jumped into that category. So if you're, if you're doing fasting and you're doing, or you're doing OMAD, you want to be careful not to be hitting that insulin late into the evening or late into the day. Um, you know, we have a better carbohydrate tolerance in us and are more insulin sensitive sensitive during the daylight hours. Um, and as the, our days go on, because insulin is also on this diurnal rhythm, um, you want to not hit that at night because that's also going to throw, start throwing your hormones off, um, mess up your circadian rhythm, your circadian clock. And we need these to be optimized if we're going to really like, you know, start thinking about metabolic health and, and fat loss and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah. when I, when I went, uh, before I went my next, my last, uh, diet plan, I, it's when I had my fit of Del Taco and little Caesars mm -hmm. and I had, I had as much as I could handle. Yeah. And then I, I went to bed immediately and, it, and I have the biofeedback well, that just the, the Apple watch yeah. and I had the worst sleep. My heart mm -hmm. was just like, pounding and i just couldn't it was just i was like my body was just it just it was terrible and i was like wow i was like good for you dylan nice job that's and that's the thing i was circling back to how powerful these tools are and how we kind of have this um we can kind of have this hawthorne effect from knowing that like these certain behaviors are being monitored What's and watched hawthorne effect it was um i want to say it was in the 1930s uh, but it is essentially just be whenever as individuals if we know a behavior is being monitored or we can measure it it's going to adjust or alter that behavior oh. um, so it's yeah it's something that kind of gives a basically what the cgm does or a biowearable and showing you your sleep or your blood glucose to something like you know your exercise or your diet and then and then being aware of it and then knowing that like okay now that i i have the 
the sense that I'm being watched or observed, I want to change this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the hot, I mean, a, a very summative way of put the effect, but so things that get measured, get managed. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. What, okay. <clears throat> what about this in terms of like, you talked about environments. So like, well, actually let me, let me ask you another question. Um, for you, you've gotten a space, like, is there like, is there a mission you're on? Is there a holy grail you're on? Like, I know you've got into the space, but like, is there something that you're striving to achieve by, by putting out this knowledge, by putting out this info? Is there? A, yeah. A yeah. Um, love that question. I, I want to do as much in my power as I can to, to keep people from falling into the pitfalls of, um, you know, uh, chronic disease. And how do we prevent chronic disease? And you have to address these these root issues. And the root issues, such as being, you know, our our glucose, our insulin, our hormones, our, you know, it, and so much of it. Kind of as we as we just kind of exist, and we're just going about our day to day thing, and we're not aware of this. Like it can, it, these things stack up. And no, if it catches up with, up with us at thirty or forty or fifty, whatever the age might be, like. <clears throat> just trying to get ahead of that and teach and education is, is one facet, but also environment I think is going to be another pivotal player in the space and bringing people into more of an environmental understanding or awareness into the situations and what they're actually like, you know, giving attention to or putting their energy where they might not quite be aware of um, is going to be super important as we move forward. And just, I mean, my mission kind of aligns, a little bit with the the levels mission of like trying to prevent metabolic dysfunction and as we continue to age and as we continue to be in these bodies and be human beings like living our days as fully like as optimal and energized as possible i think is is going forward like what i want to kind of preach and put out there um i think it's just so important you know and and, yeah. and not kind of and uh i don't, I don't want to just get like too out there with this but um but just being aware of of our time and you know and having the energy and the capacity to spend that time in a in a mindful way of moving our bodies or being you know as present as possible i think is is of high value and like why waste a human life just going through the motions and then also like succumbing to the the infrastructure that that it currently is um, and i know everyone has their own they have their own health journeys you know and so I'm not like, I don't think that you need to go out there and just be like crushing every day and just like, you know, that's all you should be concerned about. But I think a healthy, balanced lifestyle also kind of has a huge ripple effect, you know, not only to yourself, but into the others around you. And having that kind of just ripple out and creating like conscious communities through through health is super important to me. Um, I kind of felt the detriments in my late 20s of becoming having like disturbed eating patterns blood sugar roller coasters not feeling a hundred percent like i like i wanted to um really indulge like not indulge but like get after my days and and be mindful and be present and be spend time with others it was just a very like kind of more dark place for me um and that all kind of rolled back into um nutrition and what i was doing and how i was spending my life and that wasn't at all what i wanted to be doing and i had to make a huge environmental shift 
And that, that was me like moving from state to state, but I just needed to get out of the the situation that I was in. Um, and granted, that's not, look, that's, that's extreme case, but it's not necessary for everybody, but, um, that worked for me. So, so everybody should move to Boulder. That's what Every- you're saying. <laughs> everybody, is, that, is that what I'm hearing? That's- just get in the mountains. And, <laughs> no. but that being said, I think nature has a, has a huge impact on our health and our well-being and our, our mental state too. So that yeah. did help. Yeah, we, we are we are connected in some weird way to everything and uh, like the nature um do you uh, uh this is this has been awesome um w- one last question before i start to wrap these things up here is um how do you feel about like supplements like i know there's people like uh david sinclair and other people mm-hmm. that are live extension people that take yeah. things like metformin and other mm-hmm. supplements to extend their life are there any of those things that you subscribe to or things that you you yeah you are beneficial? Um, so for different pathways i think if you're going for the anti-aging and longevity and also like mitochondrial you know efficiency and biogenesis look into nad um there's a supplement that i've been taking called uh it's done by nushido and it's called nad time and i've found some really good success with that one i've been taking it for the last month um but you know nadh and fadh2 are kind of providing the electrons to the mitochondria so they can go through the electron transport chain and that's creating that that proton gradient to for that electron transport chain to run smoothly so you okay so we're not <laughs> i can see i see your eyes going okay, where are we going I'm um, just trying yeah to yeah so we'll say it. that um another supplement for uh like a glucose disposal yeah. agent that i find to be highly effective is berberine um berberine. and there's some different forms of that you can get um uh, dihydroberberine or berberine HCL, and that's a great one. There's another product that I highly, highly recommend, and it's called Blood Sugar Breakthrough. And they've done a formulation of about like 14 or I think 15 different ingredients in there, and they've they've nailed it. Um, and that's done by these guys called Bio Optimizers, and then that's like another glucose disposal agent. So GDAs essentially help shuttle that glucose into the cells. Um, without using insulin. So they're, you know, they're kind of insulin mimetics in a sense. So they can, yeah, help, you know, get that glucose into the cells, get it out of your circulation and essentially stabilize your blood glucose. Oh, interesting. So it helps, it helps you stay more level because you're not having to use insulin because it's using another mechanism instead of the use of insulin. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. And, um, apple cider vinegar, huge proponent of that or any vinegar, um, that one's a, another great natural product that you can easily get a hold of and start using. Um, even just like an apple cider vinegar, like shot right before your meal, you know, shows to be very, very effective. So that's so cool. Okay. I'm going to yeah. look, look into that. Um, yeah. is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you can tell them how they get a hold of you? Um, nah, I mean, other than, <laughs> um, yeah, just you know, if be mindful and be aware and and start trying to like pull on some of these levers that can either, you know, have a metabolic pro metabolic effect or environmental effect on your um your day-to-day routines and and start really kind of thinking about this stuff now because, you know, as as we do get older and as we go through the aging process, it does just get a little harder for our bodies to respond and react. And, you know, we can't essentially just continue um, hitting that gas pedal that is actually like causing us this internal 
um, chaos, you know, and, and so, yeah, just be aware of, of those things. And, and, you know, there are the behaviors that all of us do every single day. And that's, you know, our, our nutrition and our sleep and our stress. And hopefully for most of us, it is exercise, but use these to your advantage and, you know, start setting yourself up now to where you can have that, you know, be that 70 year old and still move in your body and be okay. And not, you know, get into the, the, um, the medical, um, healthcare industry and, and stay away from that if you can yes, um, get out of the system, so get out of that system. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, yeah, I, you can find me at, uh, on my Instagram is at Zach Winfield fitness. Um, I have not been as active as I should be on that lately. I've been, you know, a lot of my time has been devoted to the wearable challenge and doing consulting through those, through those cohort members. Um, but that'll, That'll pick back up and then also subscribe to my newsletter there. It's a Substack, and it's just a, a link in my bio. So you can find me there. Love it. Zach, it's been a pleasure, brother. Uh, yeah, appreciate likewise. all the work you do, man. This is awesome. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, uh, thank you for everything. Thank you for all you do. And uh, I will I will catch you later. Have a beautiful awesome, day. Dylan. Yeah, great chatting with you. <laughs> you too, man. Peace. Catch you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.